You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jan. Hey everybody, this is Michael Jammin, and you're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This. My co-host, Phil Hudson, has got the day off again. He's doing some more work behind the scenes, but I'm here interviewing the amazingly talented Dawn DeKaiser. And uh, Dawn, let me, t- let me tell everybody who you are. Let me also you. I need to remind you who you are. Okay, please do. So you got a long history of writing some pretty great shows. So first you started, I guess, on All American Girl. That was the Margaret Cho show. You did Inc., Ted Danson. Remember that one? I remember that one. News Radio. You wrote a News Radio. You wrote on All Right Already, which I did not know. I guess you wrote with Stephen Engel on that one. I didn't know that. Conrad Bloom. You know, I went to, uh, I went to uh, college with him. We were friends in college. Mark Feuerstein. Um, but I haven't talked to him since. And then the Gina Davis show starring, who, who started that? Uh, the Becker, Becker, again, Ted Danson. Let's just listen to these credits you got. They're amazing. Uh, just for Kicks, Ugly Betty. We know Betty LaFea. Samantha Who. If I were on that show, I would have been insufferable because someone would have said, yeah, I, I have an idea. What if Samantha goes on a date and I would be like, Samantha Who? That would have been my joke all, every day. <laughs> Sign sealed. Oh, I skipped one. The Client List, Sign Sealed Delivered, Hit Streak, The Gourmet Detective, Summer Love, The Good Witch. Thank you, John. Thank you so much. Look at me. Are you impressed with how much work? I am so impressed. Who knew? <laughs> you've I had no done idea. Done a lot of. You've done, so anyway, I thank you so much for joining because uh, is, we've never worked together. I always, I've, even though I've known you for years, I always figured we would work together at some point. We just never did, and I blame you for that. I uh, I blame me. We were on the same studio lot. We were like yeah. next to. We had bungalows next to each other, so mm-hmm. that counts completely. Yeah. Yeah. You were always a familiar face. But before we start, can I curse? I don't, I, sure. What, why? Would you, is there something you want to get off your chest? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, just that in the course of talking, it's going to play a part of describing my path in life. And oh, I, yeah. I don't it, think it, I could do it without some goddamns and fucks. So do it. Do it up. Okay. Because oh, we're getting to the truth. Th- again, so let's begin. How did you become, where did you start? How did you get into sitcom? Everyone wants to know how people get into sitcom writing or TV writing. So how did you get in? Yeah, so, and we all come from different angles on different paths. And in order to get to my TV days, I'll just say a little bit about my background. Mm -hmm. I was raised in a military family and my dad was a fighter pilot. And I grew up in a very great Santini kind of house. Um, I, I say I was the best son my dad ever had because I was, tough and competitive and I weighed 92 pounds and I was pugnacious. But did you, were you the only child? No, I had two sisters. So my mom, who was lovely, she would dress my sisters and I all in matching dresses, hats, gloves, and shoes. And we would march out onto the tarmac and salute the F4 phantoms as they landed. Wow. And so, and so you moved around the country then probably? Yeah, I was born in Japan and I lived in England. Oh my. And so you're okay, military brat. And then when you say great Santini, it's because your dad was strict. Oh. <laughs> Is now do you want to start cursing now? What did you want to curse? Um, well, let's see. He we did have a flow chart of our chores on our bedrooms when we were, I think, starting at three and four. And our beds had to be made with hospital corners. Really? And we would have to stand in a line at attention. And get, you know, understand what our chores were going to be for the day and for the week. Because you're so not that. You're so, you know, kind of almost soft-spoken, very gentle. 
You have very warm energy. You're not, <laughs> you're not, a, you know. Uh, it's taken a long time to get this out of my system. So when I was in junior high, we moved from England to Texas and I went from riding English uh, horseback to competing in rodeos. And I then started racing sailboats and by college I was on the varsity team. And um, by the way, I paid my way through college working two or three jobs each semester. And I started working when I was 15. That's a little Rob Cohen of me. Yeah, Wait, where, where did you go to school? Um, which time? Uh, I went to, so in college I went to the University of Texas and I studied international business. Uh -huh. And then I dropped out of UT and moved to Belgium, where I worked at a division of NATO for for. I, I feel like you might speak a lot of languages. Do you speak, how many languages do you speak? Um, I used to speak French when I worked in the warehouse with the Belgians. Right. Um, and then, you know, when my other girlfriends were cheerleaders and all that, I was treasurer of the Latin club. I don't mean to brag. Wow, so you speak Latin. I knew you spoke yeah. Latin. And, and so then I, after dropping out, I went back and I finished up my degree in a, appropriately named a BS in advertising. And that's, that's really how, when I started my writing career. And um, let's see, what did I do? So I started- You worked in advertising. So I got to work on TV, radio, and print. And in fact, my first assignment was writing of dozens of scripts for David Brenner for Taco Bell. That was your work. Now I now I know your work. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm known for. <laughs> um, so getting closer to the TV part, I was living in Dallas. My boyfriend was discovered by a talent manager, and he immediately moved out to LA and became a successful actor. Do we know and, his name? Yeah, I went. I'll, I'll say it. I mean, it was a long time ago. So Tom Hayden Church. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. And so he, his confidence and his uniqueness was just like, he broke in right away. And mm -hmm. I went on to New York and it, in advertising, which I loved. And, you know, after a while, after about two years, I thought maybe I could write something longer than 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. So I took writing classes at night. I did improv, which I was terrible at because of that. Let's revisit the military background. I am not spontaneous. You're not supposed to go off script when you're in the military. Oh, oh no. And I'm very methodical. And, you know, it, I, by this time I was like mid to late 20s. And I guess I was having a quarter life crisis and thinking, what, what, am I, what do I want to do and what do I love doing? I loved writing and I loved sitcoms more than anything. Um, I didn't know how to do that. I called Tom, who was at the time on Wings. That was his first series. And I said, could you send me, by now my ex-boyfriend. And I said, could you send me the writer's draft through a producing draft? I want to see the transition mm -hmm. of how this writing is done. And so then I started taping my favorite shows and then doing the stop and pause on the VHS tape. Like really studying how long a scene would be, how what the act breaks are, everything, huh? All that, the dialogue, the and I would map out the beats on a notepad, which by the way, I still write on old fashioned paper notepads for everything. And then I transfer it to the computer. Wow, that's old school. 
that is old school and it is all about the ritual and like i think there's something about the the brain to the heart to the hand that gets on paper that i i don't get when i write but you could you must be able to read your handwriting because i can't read my handwriting i couldn't even no, try I, I no i can't i can get the gist of it <laughs> oh really okay yeah um so tom sent me a series of one of one script and um i was writing my own two spec scripts and then i moved to la with three thousand in cash and where what i always i have to what part in la did you live at first i lived in los feliz which was being hailed as the new west village of la and it is not and right. I, I was living right on vermont avenue and i slept on my bathrobe for the first two weeks until my stuff came from New York. But you had a place all by yourself or you have roommates? Uh, no, I had a place to myself. I mean, it was $700 right. for one bedroom. Mm -hmm. That sounds about right. That's a good deal, actually. Uh, even then, that's a good deal. So, okay. And then, and then how did you find a, how did you finally get work? So I was writing these spec scripts and I sent that, them to bill diamond and mike salzman mm -hmm. and when i moved out to la they were my first meeting but how did you know them through tom because they were oh. baby writers on the show oh right yeah and they said you know we thought we were just going to be some gal who want who had this idea of writing for sitcoms but you know what you're doing right and i was very happy about that they didn't give me my first break but they, but they weren't. They were just staff writers at the time. Yeah, yeah, which is fine. You yeah. know, I, I thought the first thing I needed to do was build a community. So mm -hmm. I took a UCLA extension class at night. And on the last day of the class, everyone was filing out. Someone turned around and said, you know, the deadline for the Disney Writers Fellowship is tomorrow. You have to have your work postmarked by then. Okay. And I ran home and got my stuff in the mail the next morning. And um, I sort of like that intro that I just talked about my life. I sort of put some of that in the essay that you write for what's your unique background and um, and then sent in a uh, a Murphy Brown, maybe. Mm -hmm. I'm not you, sure. you had a bunch of specs probably. No, I had, because I'm very methodical, I would spend six months writing each of them. Okay. And that's night and day workshopping, doing writers groups, doing punch up mm -hmm. um, until I felt like every page that your eyeballs land on made sense and was good and had a joke and you knew where the characters were going. Before we skip ahead, you said something I thought was really smart. You said you wanted to build your community, right? Because like, a lot of people don't even think about that. Yeah. So you knew you wanted, by the, you knew you wanted help or you wanted like what? What were you looking for? Well, I knew that I didn't know anyone here. Tom was off on his own uh, fabulous life. I knew a girl from Dallas from years before, but um, there was there was no one that I could send my stuff to. And I did cold calling to the agents and that didn't work. Doesn't do anything, yeah. And so in the UCLA classes, I would, usually if you've got a group of 20 people, there's two that get it. Let's say 10%. They're... Get what? Get you? Or what do you mean get it? I mean, they get what the, they are really there to learn and to be in that field. Mm -hmm. Some others, you know, just they, it's a fun class to take. 
Right. But you can tell the two or three people that are very um, interested in moving their career forward. Right. So I ingratiated myself and said, let's form a writer's group. And that was okay. You know, that was fine until you start meeting people through them. They bring in their set of information that you don't have access to. And then it just starts growing. Right. Yeah, you got to be there. And you, you were there. Now, we, how were you making a living? You're still working in advertising now? So I was still, in, I wasn't in doing advertising. I was temping. And I had this job at uh, Disney on the lot where I was answering phones for the head of marketing. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I'm advertising and marketing. And because um, at, on the second day, he came out of his office and he said, who are you and why are you so bad at answering phones? Like you're dropping calls <laughs> and you're, you're sending in the wrong people. And I was like, yeah, cause um, this is really what I do. I actually love the one sheet movie posters that you guys are writing. So I'd like to write headlines for that. And I had secretly gone into the files to see what their freelancers were invoicing them. Interesting. And he said, yeah, I don't think you're right for that. So I brought in my portfolio the next day. And he said, I think you're right for this. So I started picking up freelance for movie posters. But that was not, see, some people think that that's how you break in, but I wouldn't think that that's how to break in. That's just how to make a buck, right? What do you mean? Like, well, like that wouldn't, working in that advertising side for Disney wouldn't get you, you know, you're on the Disney lot, but it wouldn't get you as a sick, you know, get your work as a sitcom writer. That's right. So that predated getting into, so I got in the Disney Writers Fellowship. Right. Um, that was over the course of like a two two month process of interviewing and meeting with their executives. And I went into that meeting thinking, this is what I moved out here for. And they said, so what is your plan if, if this doesn't work out? And I said, this is going to work out. I really can't imagine y- y'all finding someone better or more dedicated to doing great work. I really want to do this. I want to work with my heroes. I want to work with people that will make me a better writer. And who are your heroes then? Well, weirdly enough, um, I had to- a top five. One was Diane English. One was Chris Lloyd, the, the writer. How did you know Chris Lloyd? But yeah, I was so surprised. You, from How would you know? How did you know Chris? Like, how was he? Diane English. Yeah, Diane English. Um, Chris was. Was he running? He wasn't running Frasier then. He was like higher up on Frasier. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm surprised you even thought of him, but I mean, yeah, he's great. He's a, he is a great writer for sure. Yeah, he is. And I can't remember the other three, but within the first two years of breaking in, I worked with all five of them. Wow. Wow. Now, what was the fellowship like? Because we did the Warner Brothers Writers Workshop. Yeah. I'd rather you talk about it. What was the Disney one like? What was your experience there? It was so great. They picked five people. I think they had in that year, um, 3,000 applicants. They picked five of us. And oh, that's we, it. Pardon? That's it. That's, I, can't, I, I, didn't th- I didn't know it was that small. Well, it's, I think it's bigger these days. I think they take on 10 or 20, which is good. And they, have a, they had a, another five fellows that did only film. And our five, who I'm still in contact with today, we would meet um, twice a week at each other's houses. And then usually once a week or every two weeks, we'd go to Disney and we would pitch where we are with our spec scripts. So it was a sm- like a small stipend that paid the rent. Oh, wow. Of those five, all five went on to work? Um, not 
consistently not really okay but that again was just i think it has everything to do with focus mm-hmm. um and i'll talk about that a little more of like yeah. if you if you are not if you don't pick a lane i am a sitcom half hour multi-camera mm-hmm. writer that's I, what i want to do that, right i i so interesting because i say that i've made a number of posts about this that yeah Put yourself in a box. People are like, but I don't want to be in a box. Put yourself in a box. Then you'll worry about getting out of the box later. But right now you need to sell yourself as who, what, this is what you are. What do I do? That's you right. Know? That's yeah. right. And, and so many new writers are still struggling with that. And I said, people cannot help you if they don't know where to put you. Yeah. And so if you say, oh, I write drama and comedy and romance, it's like, that's great for you. But I only know comedy writers. Right. So right. I don't think I'm going to even help you because I don't know if you're really connected with that or with drama or how serious you are about it. Yeah, exactly. Market yourself. Make it easy for people. Yeah. 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 What do you, see? It's so sometimes I sometimes I wonder: Am I just bullshitting? Am I making this up? You know? Am I the only one who feels this way? No, I don't. I don't think. I think I'm saying stuff everyone else thinks. You know, agrees with. You are not alone. And you're getting such great information out there to so many people. It's really spectacular. You're very kind. You're Michael Jammin. What? That's me. So then, okay, so then, okay, then what? You have, all right. So then I was in the fellowship and they they don't promise, but they say we may place you on one of our Disney shows. And that's where I went on to All American Girl. Mm-hmm. And it- Were they paying you? Because I'm Warner Brothers. If they staff you on one of their shows, you get- at least back then, you would get you work for like a third of scale, a third. But was that the case on Disney? We didn't get paid, but we got paid for the scripts that we wrote because they were already paying. Like Warner Brothers doesn't pay you to right. Pay no, you. Warner Brothers, you pay to get in. Oh, yeah, we paid. Yeah. We we paid like I think it was like four hundred dollars each or something. But I think it's way more than now. I think it's a lot more now. Hmm. No, oh. they they would place you as free labor on their shows and. It was my first experience in the writer's room. It was hard. I had trouble being heard. And I did end up, we had an order for 13 episodes. I ended up writing three of them. What was your three? That's, that's a lot, actually, for a staff writer. I wonder why. Yeah. Weren't you? You must have been scared. They liked my writing. They liked, like, I spent, again, it was like I really sweated it. This is another thing that I that I stress to writers is sweat it. You can't make a lot of money if you're not putting that amount into your writing and your own career. So yeah, so thirteen that's a lot. And but what was it like? I mean, we well, okay. I always think that when we first got into shoot me, I was like, I'm in over my head. I am in over my head. Yeah. How did you felt the same way? I am in over my head. Um, I, yeah, I, it was terrifying. And I realized that I wasn't a match for people who'd been in writing rooms that were louder, funnier, more obnoxious, mostly just louder. Mm-hmm. So I sat next to this one writer and I, I'd whisper things to him to see if he could pitch them for me. And did he? Yeah. And, yeah. and they went over and then did he give you, did you say that's Oh yeah, yeah. He would give me credit. But, you know, I said, I don't even want to push that. I just want to see. Right. If you're on the so right. I want to be part of this game, but I don't know how to play. Yeah. Right. Exactly right. And it takes several. How long did it take you before you felt like you knew how to play? How many years? Um, well, that's the 
interesting thing because my next job was on news radio right and i i have i had felt like an all-american girl that i was getting my you know sort of getting my feet under me but that was they were kicked out from under me on this on the next actual staff job that i have right that i had and it took me um quite a long time to feel okay in the room and it really wasn't until many years later when i was in the ugly betty writers room because the you had drama writers there who were so great about staying on focus with the story Mm -hmm. and not performing and uh, the performance of the comedy when you do a comedy pitch i was scared of Oh, interesting. So, because they don't have obviously when you're doing a drama, you don't have to be funny. So they're basically just talking about the story points. Because I've never really yeah. worked on it, and they're not. Yeah, they're not hoping the joke will land because there is no joke. It was so weird to um, go out on on an act with no joke. It was like, what? Wait, we can just cliffhanger like that. Do you feel like these drama rooms are more civilized because of that? Yeah, definitely. They were also they were just more writerly and. Um, more mature. And I, you know, I say that sitcom writing was a full contact sport. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that when I started, I wanted to be around really funny people. And it was so much work for me. There was the whole other aspect of being a female writer, and oftentimes the only woman in the room. We might talk about that experience a little. What's that like? (laughs) It sucked. It sucked. It was so... But not all the time, just sometimes or all the time. Every time. On every show. Every show. No, if there were other women in the writer's room, it was a little less terrible. But still terrible? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until I got into dramedies and then dramas that I just felt like, okay, I I can do my work. I could be funny. I'm much funnier on the page. And I would just think, oh, God, I got to get out of the writer's room so I can be funny. Right. So that was not the best strategy. Right. Um, and I was the only woman on news radio that year. Andy and Eileen were there and they left after a few episodes. Right. And, but, right. But you overlap with them, right? Because that's how I, that's how I met you through Eileen, I think. Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, they were both very, I remember on Just Shoot Me, both of them, they pitched a line, like a story uh, idea. And then. You know, people's like, oh, that's good. I'm like, well, how do you know it's good? How do they like? How are they doing this? Like, how do you know? You know. Anyway, but I think that's. I don't know. Would you say that it helps to have a partner? Oh yeah. Have, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It helped a lot. I mean, I you know, the two of us were clinging to each other for you know for dear life. Um, <laughs> I think definitely it's way more intimidating to do it all to it on yourself. But how do you? What do you like? What do you experience even now or like lately when? You have a staff writer who feels the same way that you felt like, well, you know, yeah. what goes on there? Well, um, working on pilots, there was one young girl who came in and just to sort of observe. And mm-hmm. I just took to her because she was so um, she had a script in a big binder with all of it color coded with all of her notes. I was like, oh my God, you're after my heart. Because um, she's so prepared. People, young writers come in prepared sometimes. I'm yeah, they prepared. do. And I just said, you are after my heart. I will help you in any way that I can. And she was working for, for quite some time. I think she lives on the East Coast now. Right. But it's that um, 
it's that showing up prepared and really earnest. Like I love that when I kind of love when people try a little too hard and sometimes it can be cringy. I'm just like, yes, I get it. That's me. But do you, have you also, cause I've experienced young writers who kind of don't understand, they don't know what they don't know as well, you know, as well. And they kind of yeah. argue or overstep and, you know, but have you experienced that? Oh Yeah. And the one of the first things I say is do not litigate. Do just just take it in. And it's also the um, once you learn how to take notes on your script and realize that it's not personal, get out of your own fucking way. Get out of your way. Because after like being in writers groups, we had rules about how we gave notes to each other. And the person getting the notes has to shut up. You cannot explain why you put something in a script. It's like, I don't care why you put it in there. Here's me as a reader is not getting this part of it. And there's been plenty of times I'd be giving people notes and just like in classes or writer's room, um, yeah, classes or writer's room. And I could tell that they didn't want to note. Yeah. Oh, well, no one wants a note. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) I mean, just like basic stuff, especially in writers groups where if if they are arguing their stance and their reason for why they wrote something, it's like, oh, I get it. Okay, you're good. You're good to go. All, all's good. Right, right. And so this is see, it's so funny how we have the same, like we've never worked in the same show. We've had so many of the same exact experiences. Yes. Although I would, I would oh, venture to mention, that, <laughs> um, you know, in some writers' rooms, it's like I was not safe. I right. was commented, my body was commented on when I would walk into a room and when I would leave a room, and I was told to suck it up by my agents because it was a really good show. Or do you think they were trying to be funny or were there being sexual harassing? Like, you know, what were they trying? What was the, oh, sometimes it was just trying to be funny, but, um, it was funny at my expense. I say I was humiliated for sport on a particular show and they were cruel. And they were also like my agents came in after one of our show tapings and they looked around the office and went, Oh, I see what you're talking about. It smells like rancid cheese in here. The guys are walking around in boxer shorts. They had brought futons to their offices because they were just staying there. The like, because the hours is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And they also had jars of their pee in the offices because they thought that was hilarious. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's not just being like, I don't know. And it's interesting that you, you were able to speak up about this because this was before people were really speaking up about this. You know what I'm I saying? I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I didn't until more recently. That's a really- your agent. At least you did. You know. Well, I just said it's so hard. I mean, it's so. Yeah, and that my agents were women. And they still, and you're they still. Mm. Yeah. I can't. Im- I want. What do you think? If that were today, though, I can't imagine. It wouldn't happen today. Yeah, you'd be taken a lot more seriously. You know. Yeah. 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 It, it yeah wouldn't happen today. Um, that that show ended up not hiring a woman writer for the rest of its run for like three or four more seasons. And, but and, from what I understand, well, maybe maybe I shouldn't say which show it was. Do we say which show it was? I know I some may of the have hours, earlier, but <laughs> I know some of the like 
some of the shows that you were on, the hours were absolutely terrible. Terrible. Like, what were those? What was that like? That was like being held hostage by a crazy person. Right. And the, sometimes the showrunner would be on medication and they would not be able to focus and they would just kind of keep us there. A lot of times you'd hear about showrunners who just didn't want to go home to their wife and kids, which is mm -hmm. terrible, terrible. Terrible, right. Wow. Um, yeah. So wow. that was that was hard. I mean, driving home at four in the morning and then getting up at around 10 um, and then getting back to the office by 1030 or 11. Was there a lot of sitting around and waiting or was it all work? No, it was a lot of sitting around and waiting and storytelling, regaling each other, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Jeez. But, but things are not they don't work that way anymore, no, which is. No. Yeah, I don't think so. You got to. Yeah, we get that's a bad situation. Uh, sometimes, like we, you know, we did a couple bad hours, like on just shoot me, but it was never because we were dicking around. It was because like a story blew blew up, and we had to work till four in the morning. But that was a couple of those, but it wasn't because it wasn't ill behavior. It was just that's just the you know sometimes that happens. Yeah, for sure. And you know, people like Steve Levitan and some of the other guys you've worked with, they are not there to make a point or single someone out just for fun. Yeah. And you guys, you and Siebert as showrunners, you would never do that. You would oh. never tolerate that. No, our goal was always to go home early. That was how could we go home early today? <laughs> what could we do to get the work done? Have a have a good hour. Um, but what about developing when you you know come up with your own ideas? What's that? How does that work? That was um, that was usually uh, someone that I'd be in the writer's room with, they would come to me and say, I've got an idea, do you like this? Or we would pair up just for the pitch. So most of your develop, okay. So people ask me about that. Can you can you work independently or can you work with team up with people? Cause we, we you know, that's what you did mostly. Yeah, and when I was um, like, I'd say mid-level writer, mm -hmm. it would behoove me to go in with a showrunner or a co-EP Right. And um, just so that I could have those meetings and kind of get the lay of the land until later when I would write. Alone. Yeah. But in the beginning, were you were you kind of working under them or were you literally together? Together. Okay. Together. And, and then now, okay, now when you come up with that idea, how does that work alone? I mean. Oh, it was, it was great. So. We're, we've been talking mostly about the 90s. And then after a few of the shows, like I, I went to work through the rest of the 90s, but I did definitely get the comedy knocked out of me. Mm -hmm. um, I went on to do a series of shows. And over that time, there were less and less options because we had the game shows coming in and reality TV. And by 2000, I went to rehab. And it was very helpful. I mean, you know, I got the shit kicked out of me and I was no match. I was not cravenly ambitious. I was just always grateful to be there, which doesn't give you any control. And with, with my, it was a short stint and I was able to piece things together. I also took jobs for a shorter amounts of time. Like if they had a full year season, I'd say I'll work the first 13. What if they pick, what if they wanted you for the back nine or whatever? Then I said I'm not available, and I'd move to New York and just kind of in between each show, I had to do a lot of repair. I That's, just had to sleep. 
<laughs> Interesting. I, I I didn't even know that was an option. Like that's kind of, that's kind of unusual to kind of good for you. Like you're calling the shots. You're saying this is what I'm willing to do. I don't know anybody who does that who can do that. I guess. Well, I wasn't. Um, I couldn't. I mean, financially, it was not the thing to do. But mentally, I knew that I had to not put myself in harm's way. Right. And um, I always, I, I, I also had advertising to go back to occasionally. Right. So, um, you know, by, I would say, so I continued to work. I'd pick up an episode here, um, less staff jobs available, but I just kind of eked out a living. It wasn't the trajectory that I'd started on. Right. And I was okay with that. Hey, it's Michael Jammin. If you like my videos and you want me to email them to you for free, join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos. These are for writers, actors, creative types. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not going to spam you. And it's absolutely free. Just go to michaeljammin.com slash watch list. Basically, this is the, the interesting part, which I don't really talk about a lot on anything is the economics of really being a writer because I don't know, we don't just talk about it, but cause we were saying, you know, you kind of, you kind of, you were calling the shots. You're saying, this is what I'm willing to do. I, I don't want to work this much. I don't want to work that much because it's not, it's not good for me, my mental health. And I get that. Um, but so then to kind of, to, you know, had to make, to make ends meet, you also have this other project that you've been working on. And I want to talk about that. Yes. So I think we'd, uh, we were talking about 2000 rehab. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Very helpful. And so it was on the heels of that, that I was starting to piece together what I wanted my life to look like, which was not working 18 hours a day with difficult people. Yeah. So I would, I would take my jobs for shorter amounts of time. <laughs> like if, a, if a show had an order for 22, I said, I'll work on the first 13. Right. And then I would generally go to Texas or New York and then just repair in between shows and it financially it was not a strong way to do it but um i wanted to circle back a little bit on the the rehab stuff um you had asked at one point about did I, was i an aa and i want to say that that never worked for me and there was this book a few years back called quit like a woman and it's about it was by holly whitaker and it's about smart recovery. And one of the things that just made so much sense to me was that AA is a very patriarchal system. And one of the first things that they ask you to do is give, give away your power. And the thing is, we women are rendered powerless in so many situations already. Why the fuck would I want to go into a meeting and, and not have any agency over myself and my decisions? So that's a part of smart recovery, and I love it. I think it's really. Do do you meet as as often as as somebody you know in in the group or you know? No, and the thing about it is, um, I'm sort of a social drinker. I don't have an issue with that anymore, and it's really about like if you have a drink, you don't start at day one. You just you figure out if you want to manage your use of anything or um if you don't want to right. and and it's just um it's just less um punishing right say so 
Um, and I know that, you know, we're writers, we're tender souls, and we feel a lot. And I just wanted to get, sort of get that out there. That's something that's really helped and resonated with Viola me. Davis said something like that, you know, obviously not a writer, but an actor, but she said, I guess, I can't remember what it was about, but she's basically saying someone criticized her for having thin skin. And she goes, I'm supposed to have thin skin. That's I'm an artist. Like, I, you know. I'm not supposed to have thick skin. <laughs> I'm supposed to feel things and express things. You that's know? right. That's right. I mean, that's what we do. We do, and um, we feel things, and then we express them, and we write them, and we get it out there, and people get it. They understand that. Um, you can't be general in really good writing. You got to be specific. Right. Exactly. Specific. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, but tell me about your summit. Okay. So sum it up. Get sum it, it up. Um, one, of, one of the things we don't talk about as writers is all that dead air, that space between gigs or right. the fact that the seasons are shorter now and there's the writing staffs are smaller and the industry expands and contracts and the summit called Writers Making Money lose the ego, tap into your talent, and bring cash in during these weird-ass apocalyptic times. I may have said that earlier. And um, it's really about what are you doing for passive income, investing, how are you keeping the lights on? Mm -hmm. And these, so I talk to money experts and mindset coaches, and um, we talk about things like cash machines, which is how do you bring in a little bit just in passive income. It's not hard. Um, if you have lazy assets, like my IRA has been sitting there doing nothing for a long time. And um, we talk about what types of entities as a creative person you need to set up and forget. It'll run on its own without you, but just getting all of that in place. And so uh, in 2020, my life imploded mm -hmm. and after that, and I'll just say a little bit, like in 2020, my house flooded and I lost about 50 years worth of furniture, clothing, art, stuff like that. And then my husband um, emailed me divorce papers. Right. And then it gets and, worse. And then it gets worse. And then COVID hit. And then while the house was being torn apart with asbestos tenting, my daughter and I moved into one corner of the house during while she was in virtual school. I lost my dream job. I lost the house. And then we just decided to go and spend time in Woodstock, New York with friends, which was good. And then we came back in November and about that Thanksgiving, my husband passed away. Right. So that was very hard. And um, I spent after, you know, we went through the grieving process. And then after we just after we got that done after we were cured yeah. of that <laughs> i started into just figuring out again what do i want my life to look like in my career and i still want to write and so i started taking business classes business coaching leadership training um and talking to money experts and just like what how am I setting myself up for generational wealth, which is something that I didn't look ahead. I didn't look to, <clears throat> excuse me. And then my daughter got into college, which was amazing. Mm. And she's in New York now. She's at the number one design school in the country, Parsons. And we said yes. And then I looked at the, how much it was going to cost. And 
Yeah. Oh, and also in 2020, all my money kind of evaporated unbeknownst to me. So I was really starting from scratch with no home address. Right. And um, what do you mean your money evaporated? What happened? What do you mean? Well, um, my husband was, um, he was not well. <clears throat> he was very troubled and very ill. And uh-huh. that kind of went with him. So he, okay. So, so he, we found out that we were a few hundred thousand in debt. So again, all that doesn't matter. It's just money. So we find out that Ava's college is 80,000. Right. <laughs> thinking, you know what? We're going to do this. We'll just figure out a way. So for the last 18 months, I have been figuring out ways to set our lives up and start bringing in money in a different way outside of TV, outside of just writing as a creative person. And it's working, and I want to, and I just want people to know that. I share that. That's important because you know, creative people, like we don't go into this profession. At least I don't think you know. We don't go into the profession to become middle managers. We don't go into become to know about money because, like you know, I think that's part of also. I'm not excusing any of the bad behavior in TV shows, but no one becomes a writer because they want to manage people. They go into because they just want to goof off and be creative and do whatever and that but the problem is that it can, that can affect people other people working underneath you you know yeah, for sure you know that as a showrunner yeah. and you work up through the ranks because of your writing talents and then you're suddenly in an administrative position right. as, as a showrunner right yeah yeah and it's like i don't i didn't want i don't want to be the, the boss i just want to be a writer but but this is how it is now now you have to manage people so anyway, so but so that's why I think what you're talking about in your summit is important. So yeah, tell us more about it. Yeah, so I think it's really important because we are, it, this is going to talk about um, using your left brain in a right brain industry. And mm-hmm. it's not that hard. It's not that scary. I talked to this one woman who's known for her Millionaire Maker series. And I started working with her this summer. It's like, what am I, I'm doing everything wrong. I know that. And I've made money and I've spent it. And I would kind of like to not do that anymore. And her team is, you know, they're talking about how to get me set up and any of their other clients. And it's been just a complete game changer. Like just, um, and she's very intense and very complex in all of the knowledge that she has. She's not a Susie Orman or a Dave Ramsey where they talk about saving Mm -hmm. and don't have that latte in the morning and she says oh you know fuck all that live your life make money and do the right thing with it because we just aren't ever aware of what to do like lazy assets my ira sitting there and now i'm going to instead take some of that out and put it into a an investing group that will will put money into apartment buildings and real estate and y'all who have houses out here are you know, that is great, but it's not a financial strategy. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so I was excited about learning all of this, especially on the heels of having to reconfigure my whole life. And I just want to get it out there. Yeah, you had, you did a giant reset, a giant yeah. reset. Yeah. It's very overwhelming. I, I'm getting nervous just thinking about what you did. <laughs> it was, um, it was weird. It was yeah, it was really hard. And um, yeah, I am grateful. Like I'm grateful for my life 
there's one of two ways you can go when tragedy happens. And that is you can stay in it and think of all the other bad things that are right around the corner. Mm -hmm. Or um, you can pick yourself up and get going in a completely different way. That's the, that was the, the real impetus for me is like, I want to do things differently. And, oh, and there's something you said about hustling. Yes. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm now putting questions out there and answering them and not even giving you any airtime. Jesus, <laughs> 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 like, like we all hustle. We all get that, the, get the work done. One thing that I wanted to do in this new reset was to not hustle as much what I do. I'm working a lot, but at home on my own schedule. And if it feels like it's getting stressful or a sense of urgency, I take a nap. I just slow down and I want to do it in a more peaceful way. Right. That's so interesting. And so people can learn more about your, the summit at dawndekaiser.com. Backslash writers making money. Backslash writers making money. And so then when is the next one? It's going to be October 17th through the 19th. So for three days we have, oh, sorry, for three days we have nine speakers. Right. And each day we'll talk, like one, I talked to an actress who is now writing this really fabulous um, children's book series. She loves that. She's like, I still act, but here's something that fills my heart. Right. Uh, talking to Laurel Langmeyer, who's intense. She's so intense. Um, and she is, uh, she's, t- she talks about money in a way of let's get everything. Let's not have your bookkeeper talk to your CPA, talk to your business manager. She's like, we just do everything and, and all in one place, which is what I. And we should mention this is all free for people who want to join the summit. Right? It's all free. It's free, free, free. So you just sign up, give me your email and your name and you'll get access to all of that. Right, right. Yeah. And then, but then you, and you also have a consulting business, a script consulting business. I do. So all that's going to launch too. I am all about putting everything off to the last minute. So mm-hmm. that launches next week and that'll be on my dawndekaiser.com website. I'll do, I'll be doing script consulting, um, coaching for creatives right. and the writer's room. We're going to be, we'll meet once a, once a week. Great. Yeah. We'll yeah. do guest speakers and Q&A and then writing sprints. What's a writing sprint? That is kind of a Pomodoro style. I put on a timer and heads, pencils up, heads down. Oh, okay. And then you give a little short assignment. Not even, you know, I'll say set your intention at the very beginning of what you want to accomplish in the next 25 minute sprint. Okay. And, um, and we just do a check-in. It helps to get online or you know, to check in with other people. Your Facebook group is really going strong and people are finding each other there. Mm-hmm. And that's been really helpful for them. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, you got a lot going on. Yeah. Um, I wanna talk about when you're, when you're on a, a show, like what's, a, what's your experience like working with new young writers and, and what do you see? Do's and don'ts. Yeah, I see the ones that really, that just grab my heart are the ones who try really hard. Mm -hmm. They are like to a cringy point. Like, I love that. I was working on a pilot and this one young writer came in, she was given a shot and she had her script in a big binder, three ring binder 
with all of her color coordinated post-it notes mm-hmm. that, and, and I just thought she's after my own heart. Like she I, was that's, prepared. she was prepared. That's right. Cause sometimes new young writers, they'll look at the boss and because the boss very often isn't really prepared because right? you know, they've they got a million things going on or even some of the upper level writers are kind of play it loose. But, uh, and so sometimes they go, well, if the boss has got his feet up on the, or her feet up on the desk, so could, so can I, I'll just do what the boss is doing, <laughs> but you're not the boss. You know, you have not earned the right to put your feet up on the table yet. Right. So you, but when you see people come in prepared, uh, you know, I like that. I like sometimes they'll like, they'll say, I have a pitch. I'm like, Oh, good. I don't, I, they'll say like, I have five ideas. Well, let's hear them. I don't have any ideas. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's just, it's just sort of, um, you know, not taking it personally. Mm-hmm. And uh, I see a lot of writers who litigate their mm-hmm. script. They overstep, right? They do. And they just argue for the, they don't need to argue. Mm-hmm. They, their work is on the page. It either is working or it's not. And you are in a room with professionals who will tell you. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to explain to them what you put in the script and why, because they don't care. It's not working. Right. Right. So yeah, it is that losing the ego part of it. Yeah, it's it's hard for people to, it's hard for young writers to accept that, um, and they don't see it yet. And then as you get older, and then sometimes they feel like ah, I'm I'm a crotchety old guy, um, but I it, it, I don't I don't think so. I think you like you just you have the experience. And it's like I don't want to argue with you. I you know, I, I know from experience that this is how this is how it's got to go. This is what you, this is what you presented is not going to work. I just know I just know that. Oh, yeah, you've, you've done your time. Yeah. Um, and do you feel, but how do you, and I think I, 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 we talked about this a little bit, how how do you think people are breaking in today? Oh, that's right. I said, I do not know. I have I no idea. Know. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, what you and Rob Cohen talked about was just coming in from all different angles. Like mine was a winding road getting mm-hmm. here and um, some of it worked, some of it didn't. But um, that, yeah, it's like no one is going to give you a career. They will give you a shot. And that's why your work has to be outstanding. And I say not good, not great, outstanding. And you'll get work. You know, I I just, um, and there are so many. Because some people think, well, it's good enough or it's better than what the garbage that I see on TV. And they think, well, you know, okay, okay, maybe it is, but it's, you know, that's not good enough. That, but people have been saying that since I started in TV. It's like, oh, it's better than what's on the air. No, it's not. <laughs> no, no you're, you're competing with a room of 12 professional writers who mm-hmm. have each other to bounce it off of. And there's a reason that they write all of that. It may not end up great. That mm-hmm. may be for all these reasons that you have no access to, which is network notes or... Mm-hmm. Um, Acting notes, uh, the actor you can get it from. Yeah. Um, yeah. there's a lot of reasons, even, you know, I haven't really talked about this a lot, but even writing a bad television show is hard. Even writing bad TV is hard, you know? It, it is so hard. I worked on this one show that was a drama, but just inadvertently a comedy. It was so terrible. And I think we got written up in the Hollywood Reporter for it just being so campy. We weren't going for campy. We were just <laughs> We're just trying to get the scripts to the actors. Right. How funny. Do and and do you find? I think we, we've talked. I don't remember we talk, mentioned this, but do you find working? 
because you kind of transitioned to from comedy sitcom to dramedy or and even drama like um and i think you, you were talking about it's even more chill like what because i haven't worked in drama really so what are the differences in the writing room the writers yeah, room for it's, that? A, it's a huge difference so um 2017 me too movement Mm-hmm. Um, that was a game changer for people like me who had been dragged around a few rough corners. And um, it did change the, it changed the personality of a lot of writers rooms, as, as you know. For me, um, comedy was always kind of a full contact sport. Mm-hmm. You'd be in the room with comedians, performers, writers, and there would be jumping up and down and just, it, it was a lot of performance. And so- right. Because you got to sell that joke. You got to sell it. Right. You got to sell it. No one else is going to sell it. Um, so I, my first job in drama was Ugly Betty, but they had half of the staff was comedy writers, which hadn't been done a lot or before. Right. So what I noticed was that the drama writers were so writerly and they were so not worried about selling the act break and getting the big joke out on a beat or a scene. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was so great. It was so great to talk about the story and not about, not worry about how you're going to sell the joke. For right. me, I, I liked that part of it. And then I went on to be in other drama rooms that were just very respectful. And how did you make that transition? You had basically, because it's not like you could just jump from comedy writer to drama. You basically, you're kind of starting over. Kind of, you know, I didn't look at it that way. I will say that drama writers don't tend to become comedy writers. Right. It's, it's a one, right. You can, if you can write comedy, you could probably write drama, but not necessarily the other way around. Right. Right. I mean, it's just a whole different muscle. Um, I don't know. I think I got the shit kicked out of me in comedy. So I thought I want to (laughs) be, I'm now more serious. But now you started writing sample. You had to write, samples you had to start as if you'd never done because you'd never done it before you had to start writing drama samples that's right and i found that the agents did not want to market to me that way you know i've already established myself and and they would then have to hand me over to a different set of agents that's interesting Mm -hmm. because i talk about this well so many people think that as soon as i get an agent how do i get an agent they say this all the time how do i get an agent as if that's gonna help at all you know that's not gonna change your life once you've, you know, once even when you become at your level, you know, you're in charge. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I didn't get an agent until I was, I'd won some script writing contests. I was in the Disney Writers Fellowship. I was writing all those scripts on one of their shows and I still couldn't get an agent. Still couldn't get an agent. Yeah. And so I called, I contacted CAA and UTA and they're like, yeah, no, we're very interested. And no one would pull the trigger. So I called CAA back and said, yeah, I'm going into UTA this afternoon. And that's when I got the offer. And then I called UTA. I said, yeah, I'm going to go on, go ahead and go to CAA this afternoon. And wow. So you were just bluffing. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. We, for a while when we, um, God, where were we? I think we were at uh, Endeavor mm-hmm. and we weren't getting much, um, we, I guess we weren't getting the kind of help, the support we needed. Then as soon as, but as soon as we threatened to, to go to UTA, mm-hmm. like everyone was called. Suddenly, suddenly they wanted to talk to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll get them sitting up straight. Yeah, <laughs> good for you. That's hard. That's that's uh, gutsy. But okay, so then, um, 
but in terms of breaking stories, it is it kind of the same on a, on a drama for? It, yeah, it's kind of the same. Mm. Instead of going out on a big blow, you go right. out on a big cliffhanger. Right. And a pregnant was, moment. What? What's that's that? that's what I was told. It's called. It's it's a pregnant a pregnant moment. Like oh. Yes, that's right. Yes. What <laughs> next? Yeah. <laughs> and I I just really liked it. I had this lovely experience working with Martha Williamson, who created Touch by an Angel. Mm-hmm. And she's one of like the top Christian women in the country. And she was interviewed on 60 Minutes and she's had quite a big career. And I had never been in a respectful writer's room before. And so I was like, oh, we can't say fuck. And the, the two other guys, it was just like four of us mm-hmm. said, oh, no, no, no. Uh, and so I thought, okay, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a go. And uh, I'm going to hold my tongue when I don't have to say be crass. Yeah, I'm not going to be disgusting. So um, it was a really great experience. Right. That's yeah. And the other the dramas that I've done and then and then uh, things sort of went like uh, I was able to write um, episodes of Hallmark shows. That's I, I call that the women, the women writers ghetto. Because um, we all we all sort of end up there doing our cozy mysteries, which um, it used to be, I guess, children's shows. But I guess now you're saying for it's 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 uh... Hallmark has always been the family network. Yeah, yeah, family, family. But when you develop, are you develop on your own? Are you are you mostly doing comedy or drama? Um, comedy, no, I would say both. And I'm not developing a lot. I have had this one idea that I love so much that i'm afraid to write it i just i just can't seem to do it why why because i want it to be really good well, why don't you make write it as a book then no it's a great series yeah but if you sell it as a book then then you could turn it as a tv show no mm, book writing that's hard book writing what would i know oh, book writing <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean book writing <laughs> this book thing you talk about um so interesting but okay so i want to make sure everyone knows more about i guess i we we talked about i want to make sure before we sign off that everyone knows more about how they can get in touch with you how they can find you and learn more about your summit and your your consulting services and all that yeah so that's all coming out next week and maybe by the time this runs it's yeah i hope um instagram donda kaiser writes tiktok donda kaiser writes website donkaiser.com and i will tell you you know you use your name and all of your stuff i would i just was so uncomfortable doing that i was calling it everything else but what i am doing so now it's just my name yeah i know i was i was a little in the beginning i was uh you know it was uncomfortable because writers don't we're not actors we're behind the scenes it's it's weird for us to uh promote ourselves this way that's not what we do we're not act that's what the actors do we write for somebody else put them in front so that was a a hurdle for me to i had to get over you know how did you get over it um you know i'm I'm always reminded of the oscar wilde is a wonderful quote that i I think he said but i'm not sure because i couldn't find it again but he said you'd worry i think he said you'd worry less about what other people thought of think about you if you realized how little they did which 
works on two levels, which means <clears throat> they already think you're garbage, so what are you worried about? Or they're just they're just thinking about themselves. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I just at some point I was like, ah, screw it. If people want to judge me, let let them. They're they're gonna forget about me anyway. I'm not on anyone's, you know. Why, why does everyone, no one staying up late to think about me? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's good to know. I mean, that's, that is liberating. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I do actually, I've thought about it a lot and especially as a writer, cause I started, you know, writing more like personal essays, more stuff about my life. And, um, and then I kind of realized that there's like a paradox about judge being about judgment and that, cause I, you know, I, I, I did this show and then I didn't want people to think like my biggest fear would be to perform my work and have people think, oh, this guy's not a good writer, you know? And to be a good writer, you have to expose yourself. Yeah. And that's the paradox. So if I don't want people to judge me, I have to put my allow people to judge me. I have to make myself vulnerable so that they might judge me, ironically. And if you do that, they ironically won't judge you, you know? On your website, you talk about vulnerable, being vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard. It's hard because that's exactly right. You put your yourself out there your heart and it can hurt but to me the bigger pain is having someone say oh you can't write (laughs) so that would hurt harder so i'd rather just be vulnerable and that people wow because people walk away they go wow how'd you do that that was pretty brave i'm like no it would have been brave if i gone up there with my less than adequate work then you know that would have been brave i feel like you know (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Um, keep your work at the highest level. You know, that's just, there, there are no shortcuts. There's a lot of different ways in, but they're just not shortcuts. That's another thing. And I was going to do, I guess, a post about this, but every time I talk to a writer, everyone has a different way in. There's no, it's not like becoming a doctor where you go to med school, you take these, you take your MCATs, you go to med school, you do residency for a writer. Everyone has a different path to get in. So it's not like, you know, it's more like a curiosity thing when I ask people how they break in, but it's not like you can follow that path. You have to make your own. Yeah, you know? no. And for to follow my path, you'd have to go, <laughs> you do a little time travel into an yeah. alcoholic family. So I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do that. Yeah. No, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, Dawn, I want to thank you so much for joining me. This is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good one. So thank you so much. Everyone go check out her website, dawndekaiser.com. She's got a lot to offer. The, the, the webinar is free. Sit in on that. You'll, you'll get a lot. And, yeah. you know, thank you good for stuff. promoting that. Of course. You know, we as writers and not marketers, thank you. No, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you're being too shy, so I have to promote you. Okay, yeah. Um, all right, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, well, well Thank you again. I'll put this up. All right, everyone. Until next time. (laughs) Bye-bye. This has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin. If you'd like to support this podcast, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear today's subject. For free daily screenwriting tips, follow Michael on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Michael Jamin Writer. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Phil A. Hudson. This episode was produced by Phil Hudson and edited by Dallas Crane. Until next time, keep writing.